Welcome to the Modern Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating specialist, and health at every size advocate. Cozy up with me each week for empowering conversations with ambitious women as we share real stories around our relationships with food, body, and moving through life in the modern world. Hello, love. I am so grateful to be back with you this week, and I am so pumped to share this interview with you, this conversation. If you can't tell, I kind of go back and forth between saying interviews and conversations, and I'm really trying to just get in the habit of saying conversations because that's exactly what this is. We're all in this container together in this podcast. And I really want you to always feel like you're just a part of this conversation. You're right there with us. You're sitting on the floor having coffee or a glass of wine or just cozying up on a pillow right in the conversation with the guest and myself. And so I want to jump right into it and introduce the lovely Sloan Elizabeth to you. I loved this talk so much and it's different from a lot of the the guests that I've had on so far. We really talk about holistic wellness and intuitive eating and food freedom from a different perspective. So let me tell you a little bit about Sloan and you'll know what I mean. Sloan Elizabeth is a holistic wellness coach specializing in helping women release diet mentality and restrictions so they can find lasting food freedom. She teaches her audience and clients how to eat with love and intuition and uses methods from nutrition and psychology paired with manifestation and deep subconscious healing to facilitate this shift and transformation. Sloan is also a yoga teacher, speaker, and author of Kale and Cravings, Nourishing Dorm Room Recipes and Wellness Practices for Students. So that is why I love this conversation so much. First of all, Sloan is amazing. She's just such a little angel. We connected right before we did this interview, and this was the first time I really got to sit down and get to know her. And I loved hearing about her personal relationship with food and body image, and I really appreciated how she uses the concept of eating with love. And it's just a different spin on intuitive eating, and it's it's very sweet and it's very practical and it's just infused with her personality, which I really appreciate. And I can see why her clients and community just fall in love with her all the time. And I know that you're going to as well. One of the other things that I really appreciate about her and this talk is she does focus on women who are in college and that age group, as well as beyond too. She works with a variety of women, but she really goes into her story um, through college and just being in university and how her relationship with food took a big turn during that time in her life and how she's really used that experience to elevate the work that she does and connect with the women that she supports. So we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about just intuitive eating in general and her personal story. So I hope that you enjoy this. I think that you will. If you have not yet left a review, I would so appreciate that. And it just means so much. I said this in the last episode, but the reason why reviews are so important is because 
it does help to get this message out to more women, the food freedom message, the body trust message, and just building this community of women coming together and embracing diversity and connection around food in our bodies in a really empowering way. And so all you have to do is go to the show page and click the five stars. You can leave a, an actual review as well too, but I would so deeply appreciate that. And I also wanted to share one more announcement before we dive into the conversation. I am just about to open up enrollment for my next group coaching program. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I haven't officially opened enrollment for this yet. I haven't I haven't like shouted it out to the masses or anything. I have enrolled a few women into this already, um, but I haven't made a big announcement. So you're kind of the first that I'm, I'm telling this to. So this is going to be a three-month high-touch group coaching program where I take you through the entire intuitive eating process. This is for women who already have a somewhat healthy relationship with, or I'm sorry, have a a healthy knowledge of nutrition, but are struggling with their relationship with food and body. Um, if you feel like you've read all of the books and listened to all the podcasts and know everything under the sun around wellness, but are still stuck in this cycle of restricting and binging or body shaming, or just feeling like you're preoccupied with food more than you would like to be. That's exactly what this group is for. And it's going to be super small and intimate. I'm only taking 10 women through this process. And if you're interested, if this is resonating with you, I would encourage you to book a body trust breakthrough call with me, or just send me a direct message on Instagram and let me know that you're interested in talking more about this program and what I'll I'll do is send you the application to apply. And then from there, we can hop on a quick call and just go through a, a general conversation so that we can just make sure it's the best next step for you because it is going to be a, uh, a really vulnerable space and a really empowering space. And I, I'm just excited about all of the women who are going to be in it, but it is going to be small and intimate. So I want to make sure that it's the, um, the right group of women that I'm getting to support and who are going to be able to support each other in this transformational process. So with all that being said, I want to share my conversation with Sloan and I hope you enjoy. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye love. All right, Sloan, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about this conversation and getting to know you because this is the first time we're meeting each other, which is pretty yes. cool. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely love. Um, let's jump in. Are you okay? Yeah. Great. Great. So the first question that I always ask everybody is your first body awareness moment. Can you just share the first time that you realized you were in a body and that meant something in the culture that you were living in that we're in right now? Definitely. So I would say that the moment that jumps out to me is the summer going into my senior year of high school. So I was probably 17, I think. 
And I was in cheer practice and I was wearing my little booty shorts with all my friends. And I remember we were stretching or learning a dance, something, and I felt my thighs touching each other for what I thought was the first time ever. And I started looking around other girls and seeing, oh, did they have the quote thigh gap? Was I the only one whose thigh gap disappeared or whose body changed in the past few months? And it was, I was shook. I was really shaken and thrown off. And I was used to being active. I am, you know, naturally small. And so when I first realized that I felt like I'd gained weight, everything changed in that Mm. moment. Mm. Yeah, I can absolutely identify with that. And how, how did you react from just that realization? What was the next step just in terms of your relationship with your body or food? Yeah. So that moment, you know, kind of led me down a road of just hurting confidence wise. I was used to being confident. I was still confident, you know, in crowds, like speaking in front of people. I've been doing musical theater and performing since I was three. So it didn't necessarily affect me in like the classic confidence ways. It was super, it was really an inner confidence that Mm -hmm. was shaken. And so I kind of thought to myself, okay, I need to change this. That was really my initial thought. It wasn't acceptance. It was, this is wrong. This is bad. And this needs to be changed. And so For the next two or so years, I was really self-conscious of my body. I wanted to be healthy. That was always the goal. I wanted to just be my best self. And so I started looking closer at my diet. You know, I was eating a well-rounded, normal diet, and that then led to me avoiding bread and choosing Mm -hmm. rice cakes instead. or egg whites instead of whole eggs or, you know, making sure that I ate every three hours because I thought that your metabolism sped up if you ate every three hours, which I learned was not true later on. And so I also would make sure that my workouts included inner thigh Mm. burns. Like that was my main spot of insecurity, my legs. And so that kind of snowballed into some disordered eating tendencies for the next couple years and into college. Um, Now, that's what I do for a living. I help women and young girls who are struggling with disordered eating, rules, restrictions, diets, so that they can truly heal from the inside out and step into food freedom like I was able Mm -hmm. to do. I love that. And this is a really powerful story. I have so many questions. Do you mind if we kind of work our way backwards a little bit and unpack some things that you said? Because I'm really curious that you grew up in musical theater and you also mentioned that you were an athlete as well too. So you're a cheerleader. Were you doing any other sports? I was doing dance pretty rigorously, so dancing was my sport, and then varsity cheer. Interesting, and those are two, three really aesthetic activities where you're essentially on display. Totally. Yeah, so do you remember growing up 
hearing any conversation in those communities, either on your dance team or just during practice or um, rehearsal or anything like that? What was the conversation like that you were hearing around other people's relationship with their bodies? Yeah, so I think that there was definitely some talk from the adults when I was younger. I was a competitive dancer in elementary school, so kind of like dance moms, honestly. We went to competitions every month usually for like a full weekend. It was, you know, eight hours of dance with all the glitter, all the hairspray. And so I feel like in that environment, you know, I was pretty sheltered and I felt confident. I feel like occasionally I might hear something from the costume woman who would make all of our clothes um, about different girls' body shapes, but I, I can't pinpoint anything particular there. I feel like it was a pretty safe and healthy environment. When we got more into high school, I would say it was definitely more kind of like locker room or dressing room chat right. amongst my other girlfriends uh -huh. who would worry about how they looked in a costume. Or I remember one friend asked me like how are you so small and I was like well I think and you know I was maybe 15 so I didn't know but I was like I think that it's partly genetics and partly like I eat well and I exercise like it was very simple in my mind back then and mm -hmm. so I did I think I had a pretty healthy conception of body image and food, but then when it was shaken inside of me, that's kind of when my confidence started to deteriorate. So as I mentioned, like I've always been confident around other people. And when I wanted to change my body, it wasn't for boys. It wasn't for other girls. It was really for me. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't feel like I was my best self, even though I was, and even though nothing had really changed. And so I think that that's always really interesting to hear from people like, where is your insecurity coming from? Like, who are you trying to impress? Is it right. like, who is that? And I think it's different for everybody. Well, I, I think it's interesting too, that you mentioned this body awareness really came through senior year of high school, mm -hmm. right? When it's like, so many changes all at once, right? Yeah. This huge new chapter that you're stepping into. Did you go away to college? Yeah. So I went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville. So I oh, moved wow. a ways away from yeah. LA. So because you're from LA, so the yeah. other side of the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was that? So college was amazing. I'm so grateful for my time there. And I feel like, you know, I hear this from a lot of my friends, even now after we've graduated saying, I feel like I learned who I was in college and I learned how to be me and I learned how to learn more than, you know, what I learned in my actual academic classes. And I think that that was definitely the case for me. When I went away to school, I was aware that some of my eating tendencies were not super beneficial for me. Um, and so I wanted to try to drop those restrictions. I wanted to be able to be spontaneous with my new friends and, you know, enjoy the Nashville barbecue if I wanted to and go out to ice cream with my friends. And so 
that step was really amazing for me. Um, it definitely, you know, the restrictions didn't just go away as soon as I got off the plane. Mm-hmm. I still had guilt. So I maybe wasn't as strict with implementing the quote rules that I had set up for myself, but I still felt like I had messed up or that I needed to do better the next week. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of this weird dichotomy of like, okay, physically I'm trying to let loose and do these things, but emotionally I'm still trying to grip onto control. Yeah. So it was like I had one step out in the food freedom realm and then one foot still back there saying, Mm -hmm. oh, wait, no, like this is wrong or you need to try better. You need to work out harder. Mm -hmm. And so it definitely took time for that full transition into food freedom. And it was a combination of multiple things for me, um, one of which was just learning more about nutrition and biology. I was pre-med at Vanderbilt. And so that honestly helped a lot. And then the second half was my spirituality and tapping into my intuition and leaning on the universe for support. And so that's why I combined those two modalities in my coaching as well. Like I'm not going to tell anyone what to I'm not going to do meal plans or be super strict on nutrition. And I'm also not just going to say, okay, just manifest your body confidence. It really Mm -hmm. has to be the both of those. Mm -hmm. And that is what eventually led me to where I am now in like complete freedom. Yeah. Well, one thing that I think is really, um, I'm really curious to learn more about this aspect of your story. It sounds like you I mean, I, I think it's actually pretty incredible that you were able to go all the way up until the end of high school and feel quote unquote normal in your body and around food and just kind of move through life without that hyper awareness or insecurity or um, just constant conversation running in your mind of what you should or shouldn't be eating and that guilt like you expressed. So it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you weren't really looking for information to quote unquote, keep you on track. You weren't really looking for rules or meal plans or things like that before you had this moment of, oh my gosh, my thighs are touching and I've got to do something about this. So when you had that moment and you did make that decision, something has to change without being specific for our listeners, what just kind of paint the picture of what that looked for you. I mean, were you reading books? Were you following accounts? Were you um, like starting to have a different conversation with your friends and just get curious how they were handling food? I'm so interested in this part of everybody's journey because I feel like this is that very pivotal moment where it's like, oh, now here's the new library of what I should be doing and this scary information to control all around us. Totally. So I was not really on Instagram so much at that point. I feel like I just was following friends. I didn't really know about influencers and information that you could find on Instagram. So I think it was mostly like articles that I read online, like literally Mm. Googling like health healthy habits or like health rules or like nutrition, stuff like that. And 
it was definitely not something that I shared with my friends. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to share it. I didn't feel comfortable with that. And so they didn't even really know what was happening. And so I think that it was mostly just me trying to research. Like I've always been a math and science kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do it right. Like my intentions were be as healthy as possible. And so it was technically what I thought coming from a loving perspective when really there was a lot of fear involved. And so I remember, I think I also definitely used Pinterest because I remember seeing- Me too, love. I, that's, yes, whole other can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing these graphics and it would be, you know, like 10 rules to be healthy. I know. That's where I came (laughs) up with my rules. And then I eventually made my own list from the different lists that I saw. So it was like, you know, only eat berries because they're the lowest in sugar or eat low fat Greek yogurt instead of whatever. I don't know what you would substitute that with or stop eating after 6 p.m. And I'm like, but my family eats dinner at like 7.30. So what am Uh, I supposed to do? So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, especially having that freedom for most of your life of, hey, I actually never even really think about my body and I feel happy and healthy for the most part and don't really have a lot of um, rules that I'm following. And so, yeah, that dichotomy of feeling like, well, if I want to be good, this is what I have to do and creating that for yourself. How did that shift your relationship with your family? Were you, were you open with them about what you were struggling with? Um, or did they notice at all? I was not super open with them. I think that they, you know, my family eats well. We have it in and out every so often and especially on road trips, but we don't really eat fast food. Um, I actually had a baking business in high school, like regular old sugar, flour, butter. Yeah. And my dad has dessert after lunch and dinner daily, like chocoholic all the way. And so I think that they just thought I was trying to be healthier Mm. because the shifts that I was making were pretty small. So I would try to not eat as much rice when we got like Mediterranean food or I don't know, I would make my portions like a little bit smaller or like maybe not finish what was on my plate. And so it was micro changes, I would say, but it definitely added up to a pretty big effect within me. And so, no, they didn't entirely know. And I don't blame them per se, because it was small and it was controlled for that reason, because I I was kind of embarrassed and like, didn't feel like I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Why were you embarrassed? I, I hear this a lot. And why were you feeling that way? Hmm. I think because I didn't, I didn't want them to know that I thought that I wasn't good enough or like that I wanted to look differently. 
Interesting. I, so you were trying to kind of maintain that confident identity that yes. you had gone through life with. And exactly. Yeah. Ooh, that's, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like a big conflict um, that you were facing internally of here I am, this confident person to everybody else, but I don't feel that way right now. But I have to kind of keep up with that because that's what people know me as. Totally. And that facade, I mean, kind of helped me because I still was confident in some ways. Like I was always confident with my academic performance Mm. and I was confident with my friends. It was just that I thought my body didn't look as good as it used to. And that was also a thing. Like I went through puberty really late. And so I was like, why can't I just look how I did literally two years ago when now looking at photos, like ninth grade me looked like a boy, like Mm -hmm. so flat, no curves whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was used to literally up in like in high school, I looked that way. And then at the end of high school, I didn't. And so when the rest of my friends kind of maybe had that transition or that change in middle school, it happened for me later. And so mm-hmm. I was not really ready for that. Like I, I'd heard about puberty, obviously, and I'd heard, you know, throughout middle school, like your body's going to change a lot. And I was like, well, mine just didn't. So maybe I'm the lucky one. <laughs> and so yeah, that was really weird and definitely played a role in it as well. Thank you for sharing that. I actually, this, your story around that reminds me of a guest that we've had on the show before, Tyler Rowling. I don't know if you follow her, but she's an intuitive eating counselor and registered dietitian. She's amazing, but her story is very similar in that her development really happened in college. And I don't think that we have this conversation enough as women. We just kind of assume that we all go through puberty at 12, 13, and that's just what it is, end of story. But this is more common than I think a lot of us realize. And it's also incredibly conflicting and also breeds this feeling of isolation and confusion if you're going through that in a completely different time frame than your peers are. Right. Yeah. Did you have anybody to talk to? Like, did you have a best friend that you were able to open up to or anybody in your life at that point that could kind of understand or you could share vulnerably with? The first time I think was like maybe a year later, like going into my freshman year of college, I remember chatting about it with my friends freshman year of college. Once I had kind of started the healing journey on my own and figured it out, I definitely told my cousin who's like my sister, but I don't, I feel like it was probably going into freshman year or within that first semester. So Mm -hmm. I would say for a year, I was just didn't, I don't think I told anybody. It was just like, and I was curious. I was confused, but I was curious because again, I was like trying to be scientific about it. I was like, I just want to be healthy. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was definitely too obsessive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just based on what you were what we were just talking about earlier about control, it seems like the perfect storm as well too, where you're you're confident, you have friends, you've got this 
great community with family and the sports that you're doing and people know you as the confident person and you don't really have to worry about control because things are just kind of flowing and then suddenly boom you're in this different body for the first time and things feel out of control and it gives you an opportunity to find something to begin controlling the thing that you feel like is spinning right now, right? Which 100%. Is food. And that's, you know, I appreciate your story because I think that so many women don't realize that the obsession with food or the desire to create food rules or quote unquote, eat healthy is, um, it stems from that need to control. And especially going away to college, I can't, on the other side of the the country too, just being faced with so many changes all at once. Did you have a roommate in college? Yeah, I always had roommates. Um, It's actually interesting because I hate being alone. Mm. And so I, sometimes I think whenever I do those personality tests and they ask like, do you share your emotions or do you not? I'm not entirely sure what I do because I hate being alone. Like I was home alone for 10 days, um, two months ago or must've been like three months ago. And I like cried, asked my parents Mm -hmm. like not to leave. And you know, I'm 23 years old and I hate being alone, but that just having someone there, even if I'm not ready to share whatever is going through my mind makes me feel more secure anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, having at least someone there that I know, okay, when I'm ready, I can share this stress or anxiety or struggle with them makes mm-hmm. me feel so much better. But I definitely process alone first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you were going to college and you were living away for the first time and you had these roommates, do you feel like, or I guess I should ask, how do you feel like you changed? Like, what do you feel like was the biggest change that you saw in yourself, whether it was personality or around food? What were you, what were you navigating that was, um, that felt the most unexpected? Hmm. I think that, you know, I always did identify as a control freak. And so with all of my clients, I always tell them, you know, usually the food is kind of the surface level issue and there's something deeper below the surface, whether that is control or fear or lack, something like that. And so I, you know, was not only controlling my food, but I wanted to control all the plans. And I'm always the friend that's like, okay, where are we going? What time? Uh Why aren't you guys responding? And Uh how are we getting there? And we need two cars. Which type of Uber are we picking? I am that person. And so going to college, I felt like I had to let go of that a lot because, you know, I was with new people and I wanted to be go with the flow and I wanted to be more spontaneous. And that definitely helped because we, you know, took a lot of trips in college that were just kind of like shambly, you might say, Mm -hmm. and I could not control them. I could bring my own snacks, but you know, we were not going to have reservations anywhere for dinner. (laughs) Yeah. I would say also living with somebody in close quarters, um, Mm -hmm. pretty much and for two years for freshman year and sophomore year, I had a roommate and like, I loved my roommates, but you know, you have to learn to live with another person in the same room right. and 
control everything. You can't control where they put their dirty laundry or what time they go to sleep or what time they set their alarm for. And so I think that that actually helped a lot, even though it may have been uncomfortable at times and frustrating, Mm -hmm. being forced to be in a situation where I truly couldn't control it was ultimately helpful in healing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so great that you were able to let go of that um, rather than fight the battle and just decide for yourself that that's something that you really wanted to be intentional about removing and, and just feeling more at peace with. So I'm, I'm curious just from your story, and I want to make sure that I'm connecting the dots correctly for, for us in the conversation. So having this moment in high school of, oh my gosh, something has to change, and then making the decision going away to college, which was the next year, right? Yes. Yeah. So that time period, which seems like it was a year, that's when the food rules really came in and the structure and the need to control and the um, desire to change your body and the hyper-awareness and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So that one year of creating all of these rules and everything and then deciding to step away from that going to college, that's that's pretty awesome that it wasn't longer for you and you just decided pretty quickly, whoa, this isn't working. I've got, this is, how did you, how did you come to that realization that the rules were just like BS and it was actually doing harm in your life and good? So looking back, I am definitely impressed with myself. I will say. I'm impressed with you too. I think it's, um, it's inspiring. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So I think it was the fact that I am, I am, okay. I've always been a rule follower. Like as a child, I was the one that always followed the rules and my brother and my cousin were the little tag team that always like caused trouble. And while I loved rules, I also did not love authority. And so Mm -hmm. I, because I've always been confident in my power and in my like intelligence, um, you know, growing up, if like my parents' friends said something that I knew was wrong, I would tell them, which may not have been like the kindest thing to do, but I did not like other people telling me what to do. And so I think that I realized that society, quote, was telling me what to do and how to look and how to act. Oh my God, and I'm what amazing free. self-awareness. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've always been, I would say, very self-aware. I think that's just like how I was born. My mom always said that I was a very old soul and my brother was new here on earth. And so I was angry with what was happening to me. I kind of felt like it was not me anymore. It Mm. was books telling me what to do and Pinterest quotes and people and magazines projecting all of this. And even though it took some time to actually like fully step into food freedom, you know, it didn't take just a year. It took longer, but I had that fire within me that was like, okay, this like grander society, this authority is telling me how to live. And that makes me mad. Mm -hmm. And so 
that kind of became the new fight. Like, okay, how can I feel the best for me? Because that was always like the first intention. Like I want to be healthy. I want to look good. I want to feel good. So how can I prioritize that without society's rules and, you know, metrics for beauty? So that kind of became the new battle, you could say. The fight, the, the empowerment. I so, so resonate with that. And I appreciate you, you sharing that. I'm curious when you made that decision of saying, screw this, I'm doing what works for me and figuring this out in a way that feels really good and finding my own version of health without following rules. And I, I know that that is a journey in itself, but I'm curious about how you stepped into body acceptance when this really stemmed from um, unacceptance with your body and that trigger moment for you. So how did you really, how did you start to do the work around just making peace with your body and the body image um, that came with all of these, these things? Totally. So one of, first of all, I think part of it was just like time um, and giving myself the time to explore what felt best in my body and what kind of movement I actually enjoyed mm-hmm. because I think it was the summer after my freshman year, I tried to like run two miles mm-hmm. every other day and I hate running. And so I knew that that had to go, mm-hmm. but I read Gabby Bernstein's book, the universe has your back when I was, I think in my first semester of junior year and that was a major turning point just in my life because it the lesson essentially is choose love over fear. Mm. And I started to question everything in you know a, a positive way or in a curious non-judgmental way so i would you know look at my fears and say okay how can i choose love instead of fear right now how can i make this simple switch and shift into love right now and i did that like consciously every day you know whenever something anxiety inducing would come up whether it was a test or social drama or boy drama i would say okay how can I choose love right now? Mm. And that was the same thing for my body. So like, okay, I used to hate looking in the mirror and seeing X. Okay, how can I just choose love right now? I know that I still have these fears or this feeling of dislike, but let's just choose love right now and see how that goes. And so practicing that book did a lot for me. Yeah. That's I, I I love that exercise. Thank you for sharing. And I love the simplicity in it because I think that when you do make that decision to go on this journey towards food freedom and body acceptance and body love and understanding that you're in a relationship with your body and food, just like any other relationship in your life, it's not perfect. Sometimes it can feel very daunting. Where do I even start with this? And I need to be doing all of the things, especially as an overachiever, somebody who's super confident, somebody who's um, just on the path to do big things. And so I appreciate that um, this was something so simple, but so powerful for you. I think a lot of 
a lot of women listening will be able to take this and begin applying it. And it is, it is so powerful. How can you choose love? One thing that I talk about a lot, which is similar is glass half full thinking and mentality and just choosing, like you said, Hey, how can I look at the situation and get out of the negative and find the positivity in it? And totally, um, yeah, whether it's your body, whether it's work, whether it's other people around you, different situations. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that also, I believe that the human body feels best around its set point, whatever point or weight that is. And so if you feel like you are overweight or underweight and you intuitively know that your body is not where it's meant to be, then that's okay. And you can you know, make those changes, you can gain or lose or expand or whatever that means to you with love and intuition. And when your body gets to its happy place and you feel that sense of really being at home in your body, I think that that is also a key point when you might lean into more acceptance. So for me, you know, I didn't gain the freshman 15, but I did gain some weight my freshman year. And I just didn't feel good. I knew that my body was not thrilled with the Mm -hmm. amount of alcohol that I consumed and the amount of cookies and fries I ate at all the dining stations. And that was fine. And so, you know, for me at that point, it wasn't necessarily all about losing weight, even though that was still partly in the back of my mind since I was, you know, 19 at that point. Mm -hmm. But when I did come back to where my body wanted to be. And that wasn't a number. That was just a feeling. Mm -hmm. It just felt better. And so I was able to accept my body with a few extra pounds. You know, I didn't hate it, but I also knew that that wasn't where it wanted to be. And I think that that's okay too. Yeah. I, I, appreciate you saying that too. And just based on what you've already shared about your family as well and how you grew up, it sounds like you're very accustomed to variety, which means vegetables and cookies and water and, you know, um, chips and all of these things, right? Everything just has a place at the table. And so I think that's also a really good example and an interesting dichotomy in your story of, okay, it's not just the food rolls and rice cakes and controlling portion sizes because that doesn't feel good in my body. And it's also not um, 10 cookies and fries at the dining hall every single day. And so it's really just being okay with stepping into that food freedom that we've been talking about of, okay, how can we just make everything feel really comfortable at the table, let go of that anxiety and just feel how our body is responding based on this. Yeah. And I love that you did not say the word balance because Mm -hmm. I hate the word balance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people would have stuck that word in there. You know, you just got to find the balance. But to me, balance is one point where, you know, the scale is equal. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to achieve balance, you're looking for that one perfect point. And if the balance sways either way, you're already off balance. You're already off track. Totally agree. 
Instead, it's about finding that gray zone, that flow. And so when you are no longer sticking to a plan or a track or rules, mm-hmm. you can't mess up. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm pretty cautious of using that word balance because I just don't think that, I think that it's a perfectionistic word that kind of gets thrown into conversations without a lot of people realizing it. And I also think that it is very stuck in that black and white thinking, which is either you're either on track or you're off track, you're Mm -hmm. doing good or you're doing awful or you're eating healthier, you're eating unhealthy. And it really is just about that shade of gray and being comfortable in it. And when you're coming from a diet mentality and those food rules, Ooh, that pool of gray is really, really uncomfortable to mm-hmm. just sit in, but it's so powerful because you learn so much about yourself. That's when you really can begin to do the emotional work that's needed around a lot of these things and just free your mind um, and get curious, like we've been saying too, totally. about why all of this is happening. So Yeah. And I think that trying to be cautious of your level of judgment and your curiosity is really important. So, you know, I, I tell my clients, okay, the first step is really to get curious and aware without judgment. And so that means asking yourself, Hmm, why do I feel the urge to binge right now? Or why do I feel the need to restrict? And just listen for the answer instead of thinking, oh, I can't believe that I'm doing this again. This is such a bad habit. Oh my goodness. Wait, this is happening. I'm aware, but why is it happening? Mm-hmm. That's all the judgment. Mm-hmm. And so instead we just make it simpler. We just observe without trying to get too emotionally attached to it. And then that's when you can let it go more easily and forgive more easily. Yeah. I love that. Feeling so ashamed or guilty for even being in that position or having that thought in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. How did you get into the work that you do now? What got you interested in opening a business and um, working with clients? Yeah. So I started my Instagram, which was Kale and Cravings. I just rebranded to Sloan Elizabeth, which is my name. So I started Kale and Cravings this summer after my freshman year. And I was, you know, at the place where I wanted more food freedom, but I also realized that I had gained some weight. And so I knew that nutrition was going to be very important in this. And, you know, I wanted to explore, I wanted to learn more, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to share my pretty food photos because I loved food photography. And through my food Instagram, I really, you know, became aware of influencers and I learned what a registered dietitian was. And I took my first nutrition class my sophomore year. And that professor ended up being an amazing mentor to me. And I ended up working with her throughout college. And so really my sophomore year, I I literally went to one nutrition class. I made a meeting to meet with the professor. And I was like, I think I want to do this. Like, what does this look like? How can I make this a career? Um, And so she, yeah, really took me under her wing. And I just really dove into health and wellness. And again, I was super curious without trying to stick too rigidly to anything. I would still, I would say, 
be a little bit too obsessive about things just because I wanted to try them out and experiment on myself. Mm -hmm. So I would try, you know, a little bit of food combining to see what Mm -hmm. that looked like and how that felt. Or I learned about paleo or I learned about veganism and plant-based diets. And so I was really curious and I also just loved holistic wellness. So I got Mm -hmm. really into spirituality, manifestation, non-toxic beauty, like the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I was sharing all of that on my Instagram for those three years of school. And I knew that I wanted to grow it into a business. I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like. But the summer before my senior year, I told my dad that I was not going to get, you know, a corporate job after I graduated. And he was like, oh, really now? Um, My dad's a financial advisor and he, you know, is very traditional and he was not really a hundred percent on board on that vision but he was like if you can make it work then cool go for it love you good luck and so my senior year I was like okay I like how am I gonna do this I joined um like an entrepreneurship group at Vanderbilt I went through their training um, and just started brainstorming different ideas. I actually launched a mini coaching program my senior year of college, which was called Move. And it was basically how to move with love and intuition. And it was like four weeks. I think I had like seven girls in there, super fun. And it was just like my first little taste of coaching um, through my own business. And then I traveled after I graduated and I got my yoga teaching certification. And essentially last fall, I was like, okay, I want to open myself up to more clients. And I wanted to kind of pick a niche, partly because that's what some of my business coaches had told me to do. But also, you know, I wanted to focus on one thing. I knew that I could continue to talk about a variety of health and wellness topics on my Instagram, but I wanted to help a specific type of person. Mm -hmm. And so some people might remember that I um, tried to launch a self-love course last fall, and I was super passionate about it and really excited, and it just kind of didn't really work. And I was so upset, but I was like, I know that the universe is guiding me towards what is actually going to be right for me. And so it was really my boyfriend friend that was like, well, you shouldn't just throw away the recipes. Like people love your recipes. You shouldn't throw away the food, but you can still do like self-love and manifestation. And I was like, oh my God, it's the combination. It's eating with love and intuition. Mm. And so that became my new motto. And you know, it wasn't really new. It was what I'd been saying all along. And so Really, I just try to inspire people to live with love and intuition. My focus right now is eating, but that also includes moving. um, And that also includes living with love and intuition, which I really just see as manifesting and allowing that to be a lifestyle instead of just um, a fun thing that you try that seems kind of Mm woo-woo. Love. Love that so much. Who do you usually work with? Is it college women or do you work with men too? Who's the demographic that you're typically working with? I work with women ages 16 to 45 generally. So I would say the majority of the women that I work with are in their 20s. 
mm-hmm. but it does range. I have given advice to men. I would work with men, but they are typically not the ones that are struggling with exactly the same thing. So it is usually women and I work with people one-on-one in a private setting. And then I also do group coaching usually once a quarter. Awesome. I love that. And I'm just so, um, I'm so grateful that you had the courage to turn your, your story, your pain into your purpose and, um, take that leap for yourself so that you can help everyone else that you're meant to serve in this world. And it's just, yeah, so inspiring to hear. And I love your philosophy. I think that, um, this, this story, this conversation is going to really resonate with a lot of women. So thank you so much for sharing. And before we wrap, I have a couple of fun questions that I always end with. Do you mind if we go through them? Okay, perfect. Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about your morning routine. Oh, I love my morning routine so much. Okay, so I used to not be a morning person at all. I read Hal Elrod's book, Miracle Morning. I think you can get it for free because it's so popular. (laughs) And it seriously changed my life. Like Gabby Bernstein and Hal Elrod changed my life. So I generally do not snooze. That's a big thing. Um, I go to the bathroom, put my contacts in, brush my teeth, and then I do a mini yoga flow, just like move my body, wake myself up. I do a meditation either on my own with just some deep breathing or guided, and then I journal. I have multiple journals, so I have a really great like five-year journal, so Mm. every day of the calendar has a page with five blanks, so I made it um, to the one year mark recently. So it's really cool. I get to see what happened a year before on the same day. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I write in my journal. Um, I pick some affirmation cards from a couple of Gabby's decks and then I visualize how I want my day to go. I visualize anything that I'm looking to manifest in the near future or in the distant future. And then I repeat my own mantras and affirmations, just things I've picked up or things that my coaches have um, written for me. And I have a little note in my phone for that. And then I usually do some sort of sweat set. Um, I don't really like using the word workout. So I do some sort of movement, preferably in the morning. And then I make my smoothie. I'm generally drinking a smoothie in the morning. I would say 80% of the time, but I definitely don't go on autopilot. I like to ask myself what I'm in the mood for. Mm -hmm. Typically it's a smoothie though. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. That sounds like a super cozy morning routine and really, um, just empowering for the rest of your day. So thanks for sharing all of that. If you were going to switch careers, I know you're just getting into this career, but if you could switch careers with guaranteed success and joy, what would you do? Honestly, I wouldn't. But um, if I got to kind of have two careers, let's say, because I don't want to give up what I'm doing, I would... Well, this is something that I am manifesting, but I would love to have my own cooking show. Like I still love performing. I love being on camera, Mm -hmm. acting, even though I would want it to be authentic. But yeah, I would love to be on the Food Network. Oh, I love that. Or YouTube. 
which I know. actually has more views than the Food Network now. It's really? Crazy. I know. I just, a story for another day, but yeah, I just heard a report on that. It's pretty crazy. Interesting. How do you define self-care? I think that self-care is way simpler than we think it is. And it's really mm-hmm. caring for yourself. So what do you need and being totally honest about that and prioritizing it. So really prioritizing what you need, embracing, you know, being selfish in the most beautiful and loving way. And so sometimes that means sleeping in. Sometimes that does mean a face mask, but most of the time it's really, for me at least, reflecting, journaling, resting, Mm -hmm. and laughing. Mm. I would say laughing is the best form of self-care. I completely agree. Laughing or even just smiling. And there's, there are so many studies that prove that smiling has that um, serotonin increase, like when Mm -hmm. you just smile. And so, yeah, I, I love that you just said that. Thank you. What's one wellness trend that you wish would disappear? Hmm. Oh, there are so many. I know. (laughs) Okay. I think what I eat in a day videos. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Nobody's actually said that so far. Yeah. They bother me a lot. And (laughs) that's why I don't really do YouTube. Like I have Mm -hmm. a channel, but it's mostly just like kind of my travels because I like to look back at them. And I feel like for food people Mm -hmm. the like in to YouTube is like what I eat in a day videos and I will never do that because it so does not matter what I eat if you're looking to improve your own eating or get inspiration that's why I do recipes but like even on my recipes I don't really do measurements yeah I uh, yeah I am right there with you 100% that was super triggering for me when I was um very much in diet culture, but also mm-hmm. recovering too and trying to figure out what I should be eating and looking at those videos. Like, okay, yeah. what are they eating? And it's just a black hole. Don't do it if you're listening. <laughs> do not watch those videos. Nope. Um, okay. Do you have a signature dinner party dish? I'm sure you do since you love to cook. But if somebody's like, get over here, we're throwing a party, what are you going to bring? Okay. So I would probably bring dessert, honestly, because Ooh. I love baking actually probably more than cooking like baking was my first love in the kitchen and so I love experimenting now with dairy-free options and gluten-free options since those are um no bueno for my body but if it was a specific like dinner item I would probably bring my sweet potato fries Ooh, okay can you give a brief synopsis of the recipe yes Okay, so I don't even use measurements, so this is perfect. Yeah. Cut your sweet potatoes in whatever shape. Ghee for the oil, which mm-hmm. is lactose-free, so that's why I love it because you still get that butter taste. And then the spice combo is garlic, paprika, um, some cayenne, depends mm-hmm. how spicy you like it, a little bit of onion powder, pepper, and salt. And it's so are you amazing. tossing it in the ghee? Yes. So you're you're melting the ghee, tossing it in the ghee, and then putting putting it on a baking sheet? Yeah. Yeah. So I do, in a big mixing bowl, the potatoes, the ghee, the spices, mix it up, put it on the baking sheet. I usually bake it at like 425 
Mm-hmm. Maybe if they're sometimes put it on broil for a minute yeah. at the end to get it really crispy. Mm-hmm. And I could eat them for days. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I'm also a big fan of oven roasted anything. Like I just anything. love yeah. anything, especially with the broil at the end to make it super crispy. It's I'm a big texture person and I love that. So whether it's like potatoes or veggies or like anything, seriously, I I never use onion powder though. I love garlic powder, but I feel like that's something I need to to put on mine. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. You've mentioned a few already, but what's one book or resource that changed your relationship with food or your body? I really would say Gabby Bernstein's books, any of them, because for me, having that spiritual awakening was the key. So I've read, you know, other nutrition books, but it was really that inner healing that did it for me. So I would say The Universe Has Your Back or Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein. And then I would also say finding some great Instagram accounts that talk about body positivity is always a plus. We were talking about this before recording. If anyone on your feed is not making you feel good, just delete them, unfollow, or even just hide them. I've hidden some friends who I don't want to unfollow them because I feel like they would see and be offended. So I just hide them and protect my energy that way. Yeah, totally agree. The mute is a wonderful feature, the mute button for sure. Oh, yes. Um, Okay. Last and possibly the most important question of this entire conversation. What's the last TV series that you watched or one that you would recommend? (laughs) That is definitely very important. So I am not that big on TV. Like I love reading (laughs) and this is something that my, I, I don't get into fights, but often I find myself with nothing to say at the dinner table because my family and my friends all talk about TV. Mm -hmm. But I did watch Ozark and it was super dramatic and super captivating. Like usually TV shows, I can pause in the middle and go to sleep. Like I'm just not that Uh invested, but Ozark is really good. It's really twisty and strange, but definitely entertaining. Okay. My husband and I are going back and forth on whether or not we should watch this last season because everybody is talking about it. And so we, we did watch the first season, but apparently this one is better than all of them. So that is probably a sign we should. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. You are lovely. This has been the best conversation. I've just really enjoyed getting to know you and just so appreciate you sharing vulnerably and your truth and your story. And I just know that it's going to resonate with so many people. Where can everybody find you if they want to connect or say hi or just see what you're up to? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, This has been a pleasure and I hope that it has resonated with your listeners. So I'm on Instagram at Sloan Elizabeth. And then my website is sloan-elizabeth.com where you can find a lot of free resources. And you can also join my Facebook group if you're looking for a little bit of a tighter knit community that's interested in food freedom. And if you just search eating with love and intuition mm-hmm. on Facebook, then you'll find us. Wonderful. Lovely. We'll link all of that in the show notes. Thank you, darling. This is wonderful. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. 
That's our show. Thank you to our producer, Matt Iski, our show manager, Shayla Anderson. If you want to stay connected to the Modern Girl community and learn more about our show guests, click the show notes of this episode. And if this conversation resonated with you, throw a five-star rating and review our way so that we can keep spreading the Modern Girl message with more women. And one last thing, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can save time and stay on top of the new episode each week. I'm sending you so much love, wisdom, and strength. Talk to you soon.